Sword of Omens, come to my hand. I, Lionel, command it. I also command that you keep listening to Adrian Has Issues. everybody welcome to adrian has issues i'm adrian and today i have not one not two but three interviews that were recorded on location at anime nyc back over the weekend of november 17th through the 19th in manhattan at the jacob javits center which is normally the home of near comic-con but a company called Lesfield media in association with crunchyroll hosted its inaugural anime convention entitled Anime NYC at that same venue. If you follow me on Twitter and Instagram, you probably see all of my posts. And the fact of I still have more pictures and more great stuff to share, but it was the holiday weekend last week with uh, Thanksgiving, so obviously more stuff will be coming out regarding that. The convention overall was not what I was expecting, and I mean that to be the most complimentary as I possibly can be. There were, you know, a couple of anime conventions in New York over the last, you know, handful of years. And with anime being such a popular thing now, companies and conventions are starting to acknowledge the fact that anime has once again had a nice resurgence. But much like in the world of comic books, anime is going through its own little bit of a shift right now. And I believe it's one for the better. And much like with comic books, as we now have spoken about for the last three years on this podcast, is that, you know, it's not just all superheroes and capes, but we're getting a lot of fresh new faces, whether they be from major comic book companies or independent or self-published comics. I've noticed the same thing is starting to happen also in the world of anime and manga, where a lot of people, and I'm not even just talking like in Japan, but also in America and also other places of the world, people are now starting to create their own anime and manga that speaks to their culture, speaks to their experiences. They're influenced by Japanese culture, but they also have their own fresh spin on it. And I think it's a really cool thing that while some people may feel like it's something of like a a passing phase, which is definitely not that, but the talk of diversity is also pushing its way into, you know, the world of anime and manga. So these three interviews actually reflect that very same thought. The first interview is with Jacqueline Cottrell, who is a writer and blogger whose work can be seen on Afropunk. She's also the PR director of a really cool company called Nara Caesar, which is a multimedia company comprised of an extremely talented group of black creators that infuse anime, manga, hip-hop, the works. Some of their titles include Prima 7, Arms of the Dragon, and Exogenesis. She also has the honor of being the first woman to create a title for Narcy's are called Pride Force 5. And we get a little bit into that. And you can find more about her on Twitter at Jax Jax Attacks, which is J-A-X, J-A-X-A-T-T-A-X-X. And also check out her YouTube channel. She's got a lot of great content there. And I she's an absolute blast to chat with and my only regret is that i didn't have more time to talk to her but hopefully there'll be more opportunities in the future hey everybody how's it going it's adrian of adrian has issues i am here at the inaugural anime nyc at the jacob javits center i've been having a blast so far 
And just a little story, I was talking to a gentleman um, from Comic Attack earlier while we were waiting on a line, and he said to me, basically, you need to find Noir Cesar, you need to figure out where they are, and I found your booth, and I was like, I just need to know what's going on. So I'm speaking right now with Jacqueline Cottrell, and right now we just want to get a little bit into exactly what it is you do and what is your mission statement. Um, we at Noir Cesar pretty much are all about just that, diversity. We want to bring a much wider frame to comics Anime, manga, everything, video games, everything in between. It's frustrating to be a black person or even like a person of color and not be able to see yourselves in anime, manga, video games. You see black culture in anime and manga, video games all the time. You don't see a lot of black people. So we're here to kind of like even out the score, make things a lot better for people, especially for the younger generations who want to look to us and be like, oh my God, there I am. Like there's people with hair like me. There's like women like me, there's just everything in between. And that's what we are here for. And, you know, that's exactly what our founder, Johnny O'Brien, was going for. With, you know, let's say Finn and Star Wars mm -hmm. or Black Panther. And I, every time I see these things that are cool, and I'm thinking to myself, I wish I had this when I was younger. Yeah. So you guys are on the yeah. forefront. So let's get into a little backstory. So when did this actually first get created? We haven't been around very long at all, about six months ago. Oh, wow. Less than maybe. And so far, we are the fastest growing, diverse indie manga comic, everything out there on the circuit right now. So even though we're such a young company, like our following has just been enormous. We've been to several different conventions so far, and it's overwhelming, really, just to see how fast we came up. And I just loved, of course, the enthusiasm, because the minute I introduced myself, you're like, you want to do an interview? Let's go. And I appreciate that. And that's something that I've talked to with other guests is that if the people creating this stuff aren't into it, yeah. then the fans won't be. But I just love your drive. I love your passion. So I don't know if you want to give a little bit into some of the projects that you have working on specifically. Um, I know that the, one of the personal projects that I'm working on right now is called Pride Force 5. And it is the very first noir series. It's the very first noir Cesar comic to be published by a woman, created by a woman. And I wanted to do something for women. Something that they could enjoy. You know, like a title that they could really get into. Something that talks about black sexuality, gender, just the black community in general. So I decided to go ahead and make a comic about five LGBT plus superheroes, each representing a different spectrum. We've got one of our characters like on the poster. I'm so happy about that. I don't know what to do. <laughs> I'm just That's awesome. I love that. So anything else um, you want to tease as far as any other projects? I know that where our biggest thing is right now is Primus 7. That is our two brothers right there. That is our flagship series. Primus 7 was created by Johnny O'Brien. Vaughn, our, um, our apparel designer, Marcus, one of our other writers who also works in another series called Arms of the Dragon with John Lawrence, and Corey McKell. And this is our number one flagship series. We had a Kickstarter to get it up. It'll be our very first anime. Oh, wow. Yeah, we're very much looking forward to it. We've got the trailer out. Music is produced by Ill Will, our musical director and producer. It is just trailer's dope. If anybody wants to check that out, they can go to our YouTube, our Facebook, at Noir Cesar. Check it all out and just... Commit to the dream. We're out here. We're doing it. Absolutely. And I love this. I love the enthusiasm. This has been a great show so far. So get into a little bit of your backstory as far as, you know, where did it all start for you? For me, I've always been a nerd. And that goes without saying. I mean, my sister, my kid sister was in a Barbies and small stuff like that. I'm over here fiending over the latest Sega Genesis game. <laughs> I'm reading manga. And I was just like, this is so dope. But of course, you know, coming from the south side of Chicago... <laughs> and being a girl, this wasn't something that, you know, black girls did. Right, exactly. And so that's why I wanted to get into this. I'm just like, okay, we're here. I'm going to represent all the ladies of the world. Who always said, oh, that's a white girl thing. Nah, fuck y'all. That's an, oh, sorry. 
<laughs> no, because look, I'm going to be honest with you. That's something that we've had to deal with for a very long time was the fact that you couldn't, you know, really be into nerdy things because it, you were considered either, you know, not being down or considered you want to acting white. So for a lot of us, we had to hide that. And even just being around here and just looking at everybody at the show, I'm going to be honest, five years ago, not even, I didn't see this. Yeah. So I'm glad that people are finally taking that and actually putting it into the art because something that I've even noticed with comic book creators is that, you know, there's always talk about how can we, you know, approach more diverse, not only readers, but fans. They were always there. They just needed someone to speak to them. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, like, it's just... It's overwhelming to think how much has changed. You're right. In those five years, it's crazy. We've gone from not having a place. We're like, fine. We don't have a place. We're going to create one ourselves. That's what black people have always done. We do things our own way. And I think that will definitely carry forward. And thank you so much for sharing your story. And I'm really super excited to check out more about this. But before we go, obviously, let people know where they can find out more about Norris's art. You can go to our website, www.noircesar.com. Check out our full range of hype manga. We've got eight plus titles. We got Facebook, noircesar.com. Our Twitter, Instagram, just at noircesar, just as we can find us. Now, the second interview is um, also related to Noir Caesar, an artist by the name of Mikhail Sebastian, who is, like I said, an artist and creator of the manga Lux Nova. In addition to discussing his work, um, we also get a little bit into a fun conversation about Dragon Ball Z and how much, you know, black culture has embraced the anime and how, for a lot of us, that was sort of like the big inspiration and why so many of us have fallen in love with anime. But we also talk about the correlation between, you know, Eastern culture and hip hop culture, which is something that, you know, for almost generations now have been something that's kind of symbiotic. Because there's a lot of anime that's influenced by black culture, but it's cool now that black culture itself can now do the inverse and now create content that, you know, more directly speaks to their experiences. Again, he's a great artist, and you can check out his work on Instagram at Mythalica, which is M-Y-T-H-A-L-L-I-C-A. Hey, everybody. It's Adrian. Adrian has issues. I'm here at Anime NYC at the Jacob Javits Center in Manhattan. I had earlier spoke to Jacqueline Cottrell of Noir Cesar, and she was telling me this great story about the mission statement and why it is you are creating the things you're creating. And again, much respect and congratulations. And I'm speaking to Mikel Sebastian, who I'm going to take a picture of this. and I'm going to post this because it is a dope ass banner. Like this is just crazy. Obviously, you're an artist, a very awesome one at that. So, you know what? Let's get into a little bit of your backstory and, like, where this all started for you. I started drawing when I was around, like, uh, eight years old. I've uh, been drawing all my life. I uh, started taking it seriously when I was about 15. After that, leading up to college, I applied for the Savannah College of Art and Design, where I studied illustration. I received my BFA. Ever since then, I kind of took the trek of doing the entrepreneurial route and, uh, self-publishing my own book. I, I published my, my first book of Athalica Lux Nova uh, in 2015. Congratulations, by the way. Thank you so much. Thank you. And um, yeah, and ever since then, I, I've had the fortune of, you know, meeting up with this wonderful group of people. Uh, with Noir Caesar, we're like a family here. And uh, ever since, you know, I, I joined this crew, we've really been able to make some really awesome stuff and, and really collaborate to create some really awesome entertainment. So something that I talk about in a lot of on a podcast is community and the idea that while, yes, you could do it yourself, but getting people behind you 
and being as passionate as you are is something that you know we obviously preach a lot about. So, I mean, I don't know if you want to get into a little bit more about how it was. You know, you got to meet you know the rest of the crew and how that experience has been. Awesome. Well, yeah. Um, some of us kind of already knew each other from school, but um, for the rest of the crew, uh, I actually met them all in person at Crunchyroll Expo uh, about a month ago. All right. Yeah, and uh, it was it was really awesome because when we all met uh, in person for the first time, there was just this instant connection. You know, there wasn't any ego, there wasn't any you know animosity because we understood what the vision was. We came to you know produce that vision, and that was all that mattered. So you know, we've been running for a little under a year now. And in such a short amount of time, we've been able to do a lot. And uh, I'm re- we're really excited about the future. Definitely excited about the future. And I'm still shocked, like a little under a year. Like, that's nuts. Yeah. So in addition to, of course, creating the banner, like, are there any works that you specifically um, have underneath the Noir banner? Yeah, uh, I'm actually the uh, artist and writer for the series Metallica Lux Nova. Uh, I'm also the artist for Playboy. And um, I'm also the head graphic designer for the company. Very cool. What was it that maybe, you know, in your childhood and your youth that you watched that basically just kind of like led you on this path and wanting to like, you know, create your own work? Dragon Ball Z, man. It, it was a start for a lot of us. Um, I'm from North Carolina. So television in general was kind of like this really interesting part of my childhood because even from a young age, I knew that I didn't know the ins and outs of what it took to produce a cartoon, right? But I knew I wanted to do it, and I knew I loved it. I knew I loved stories. I knew I loved storytelling. So, um, ever since a young age, yeah, I would say the first thing that really got me and really struck me was was Dragon Ball Z, and of course, you know that led to Pokemon and Yu Gi Oh, and you know it's like a snowball effect after that. And yeah, and ever since then, I've, I've just been connecting. I haven't stopped. Never put down a pencil. I was just reading an article actually on the train right here about that very specific thing about like the love that. You know, black culture kind of really yeah. attached to Dragon Ball Z. And it's funny because for a lot of us, like, that was kind of like that anime that sort of just yeah. made it wide for us. Because before that, I mean, I think I maybe watched like Vampire Hunter D when I was a kid. But, you know, that was something that my mom made me watch. But exactly. but at the same time, like seeing something like DBZ and like said even Pokemon, it was like, oh, this is something I've never seen yeah. before. And uh, what's, what's interesting, too, and I, I also contribute... A lot of why, you know, African-Americans really connect with the anime atmosphere is because there's always been this correlation of uh, Eastern culture and hip hop. I was just about to say the same thing. This marriage between the two and it's always been kind of subtle. You know, it's always been just kind of there. But now, right. what we're doing here is we really want to push that to the forefront to show that, you know, these black nerds who have always loved this content. We're here. We've been here. And now we really want to put our face to the forefront to let the world know that we're here. Right. And I heard also that you guys actually have a music component to all this, yeah. which I, of course, now I want to know more about that. So I don't know if you yourself can give me a little bit of insight about that. Definitely. Actually, right behind you is our producer, Ill Will Brown. He creates all the music for our series, um, he creates the music for, you know, uh, any of the production videos we do. And we really want to really infuse a heavy uh, uh, following of hip hop, you know, to, to show that this culture has really been infused with the anime market for a very long time. And and, you know, music, you know, naturally is a, is a very resonating component for people in general. So right. being able to combine that with the stories that we create and, and to have that marriage really show on, in our books and then eventually on the big screen is, is, is a really awesome thing that, you know, to see coming to fruition over time. 
I am so excited about all this. And again, thank you for taking the time to speak to me. So I don't know if you want to throw out any other sites or any other places where people can connect with you and also the rest of Noir Cesar. Yeah, follow us at uh, noircesar.com. That's N-O-I-R-C-A-E-S-A-R.com. You can also follow me on Instagram at Metallica, M-Y-T-H-A-L-L-I-C-A. Fantastic. So please support them. Support indie creators. Support indie black creators because we're awesome. They're awesome. And that'll do it for this uh, episode of Adrian Has Issues. And we will see you next issue. Now, the final interview of this episode is with Frederick L. Jones, who is the founder of the manga company Saturday AM and also Saturday PM, the latter of which is the mature reader imprint of the same company. Frederick explains how the need for more diverse storytellers and artists led to the creation of the company. And they're telling stories from both men and women from all around the world, not even, again, not even just from the U.S. and Japan, but also Greece and other parts of the world. And it's a really cool concept. And also what's pretty fascinating is that Frederick has had a background in video game development, which has actually allowed him to create a mobile video game based off of characters featured in the manga that Saturday AM publishes. So you have characters like Apple Black, Clock Striker, and Bully Eater. Three of those characters, which, of course, Frederick discusses more in the interview itself. And also we get in a little bit into... You know, the need for having diversity in the world of anime and manga. And also he gives his take on certain tools and certain things that, you know, young, inspiring creators can do to also, you know, create their own content. You also you can find more about that at Saturday-AM.com or Saturday-PM.com. A lot more people are creating this type of work that, again, speaks to something that a lot of people probably were looking for for a long time. But now that it's here, and much like what we also do on a show is talk about the indie creators and those who have created work from the ground up. So I hope you check out Noir Caesar and also Saturday AM and just also just indie creators in general. And before I go, I just want to do a couple of shout outs real quick. You know, thank you to LaShawn Thomas, who took the time out, talked to me and some other uh, great people who I've met while waiting for an autographing session and i could tell he was very tired you know very jet lagged but was very appreciative to his fans and that's something that i always take away from any experience when doing anything like autograph signing and also just a very very big shout out to uh, someone i met at the convention uh, named mary henderson who is a photographer and an illustrator based out of Staten Island, who I spoke to over the course of the three days. And you can find her on Instagram at Mary underscore art underscore Henderson. She was really cool. And thank you for, you know, really just being a awesome friend. And it's something that I always love about convention is not only just making connections and, you know, making friends, because that's really what it's all about is getting people together for the love of whatever it may be. In this case, obviously, it's anime and manga. And I had a great time. And I really hope that next year is even better. But we'll be talking more about that at another show. And also, I have more interviews from that weekend, which I'll be posting in our coming weeks. But we will see you next time. Hey everybody, how's it going? Welcome to Adrian Has Issues. I'm Adrian. I'm here at Anime NYC in New York, Jacob Javits Center, presented by Crunchyroll and a bunch of other great properties. And when I first came to this convention, there have been many anime cons over the years that have come and gone through New York. 
But this is the first that I really felt was like it was a little bit bigger and it was a much bigger deal than some of the other ones I've been to. But the difference was as the weekend was going through, I was starting to meet a lot of people and noticing a lot of things that I didn't notice at other shows. And, you know, to put it another way is that I've always been an anime fan, anime lover, but I'm going to be real. People who look like me, while we may have been fans, we don't see it in the shows themselves with a couple of exceptions. And, you know, I've talked to some you know, people from uh, Noir Cesar earlier. Um, you've heard those interviews. But now I'm speaking to another great creator, Frederick L. Jones, Saturday AM. So you were actually a part of a panel yesterday about diversity. Well, first off, thank you very much. That was a very informative and very inspiring panel. No, no, no problem. I, I, I enjoyed it myself. It was really, really good. I've been on uh, you know a few panels uh, throughout my career and and since launching uh, Saturday AM and um, the guy who uh, put the panel on, a guy named Hilton George from BlurCon, he was remarkable and so it, it made this panel uh, one of the better panels I've done just because he was so engaged, he was so articulate, and we were able to have a good inter- interplay. It was kind of like uh, being an actor; you kind of have to have someone to feed off of, and we just we 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 both were able to communicate a lot about the subject. We're both passionate, so it was really good. Right. And what I took away from that panel, what made it so inspiring was people of color, you know, black creators. I've always been fans, but now they're starting to be able to create their own anime. And that's something I've been hearing a lot about this weekend and something that is very important. So before we even get into your story, which, of course, I mean, your career spans, you know, quite a while. I mean, you've had a decade in video game development. So let's really get into it. Saturday a.m. Where does it all start? Someone teased me the other day. They said that uh, in that panel, I said I, I told my age several times. So I'll do it again. I'm 43. And uh, I grew up uh, in the 80s, and um, it was late 70s, 80s. And so, uh, I mean, where it all began is just in the fact that I was a manga fan. Uh, uh, I had a lady named Taki who my father's company was affiliated with a private school. And Taki was a Japanese school teacher. I think she was involved in the, the library there. And so I would uh, go in there when my dad's company was doing stuff, and I would just interact with the library books. And, of course, in the library books, he'd bring certain jumps. Wildly inappropriate, by the way, at that, <laughs> at that timeline, because that was Fist of the North Star and titles yeah. like that. And I was, like, maybe 10 or 11. But, but it, it was, you know, one of the things I talk about a lot about this diversity conversation about Saturday M is that one of the reasons that people love manga and anime is that it is so fundamentally different than American comics. Nothing wrong with American comics. American comics are fantastic. And, and, I think they, and I think sometimes a lot of fans of, of uh, manga content don't actually appreciate fantastic work by American or Western creators. And uh, Neil Gaiman and Alan Moore, uh, you know, uh, Frank Miller back in the day, like these guys blow out many Japanese artists. They blow them straight out of the water. So it's, uh, it's, a, it's a funny thing, but I think what happens with fandom, and I, it certainly happened to me, is that you see these great character designs. You see these stories that have this incredibly violent scenario sometimes, which when you're a kid, you're like, whoa, crap, Spider-Man ain't doing that. <laughs> Batman's not doing that. And so and you get seducted. It's, it's seductive. You get very caught up in it. And so that's, that's what happened to me. Yeah, that's, no, that's how it starts for everybody. And, I, and what I found, being someone older, is that that is intrinsic to manga and anime. That is something, it doesn't matter what age range you are, you get caught in that. You get caught in that. And so it's, it is fascinating from that perspective, right? Like, it's totally fascinating because once it begins, you're in it. You're, you're, you're sucked up in it. And so I think that for, for me, I got caught up in that uh, and uh, it stayed with me for years. 
when I got into the video game industry at the time, the video game industry, when I got into the gaming industry, it was back with the PlayStation, on the PlayStation, it, uh, you know, it was very Japanese. The Japanese owned it. Capcom, Sega, Nintendo, Sony, they were owning the market, the marketplace, Konami. What is fascinating, though, and this is part of why we've invented Saturday M, is that at a certain point, the Japanese uh, aesthetic, the Japanese philosophy, the Japanese characterizations of characters and so forth, the way they handle characterizations, they got so locked into that, and we see this in manga and anime, that you don't see diversity, you didn't see you know characterizations that look more kind of normal, right? I don't know anybody who has nosebleeds when they see a girl. So you started getting all these kind of silly things, and, and you start thinking, wait a minute, that's not, that's not my war, that's not my life. I want something that reflects my life. And so as a result of that, I was like, well, I'm going to create Saturday AM. Because I'm tired of seeing stuff that's not what is real life. I'm tired of seeing stuff that doesn't feature characters of color. I'm tired of seeing stuff that doesn't feature the sort of um, characters, strong women, uh, non-sexualized women. All these sort of elements that are tropes of Japanese anime manga. So Saturday AM, at the end of the day, is about bringing that sort of diversity, that sort of attention to the detail of the world that we all live in and making that as special as the cool character designs and the really unique storytelling and the awesome fight sequences and complexities like Naruto and Hunter Hunter, but infusing it with like diversity, just bringing more ideas to the table. And the reason we call it Saturday M is that I grew up in the 70s, so Super Friends and all these cartoons, that was an era where, where that, that, that ability for you to get caught up and, and seduced as well by storytelling of that type started on Saturday mornings. And I feel like, and I'm not trying to brag necessarily, but I'm 33. So I feel like my generation was, and maybe a little bit after, like maybe some of my younger cousins, like on the tail end of the importance of Saturday mornings, because that's where we got, unless you're on weekday afternoons, but granted you had homework, so sometimes you didn't always get to watch cartoons on weekend afternoons. So it's really interesting that you called it Saturday AM, because like I said, that was a part of the culture for a lot of us. You're right, and I'll do you one better than that. I call it Saturday AM, and it really was, this really was a strategic sort of thought. Because, again, how it inspired me and people of my generation. Think about it. A lot of people making movies today are, I mean, Taika Waititi just made Thor. He is a year younger than me. So he grew up in the same era I did with the same type of influence. Now he's New Zealand, but he's had the same sort of influences, the same sort of things that he saw, Flash Gordon and all these movies that we saw in the 70s and 80s. That were his influences. This is what they're bringing now to mass culture. Anime manga is becoming dominant. There are kids in Pakistan. There are kids in Saudi Arabia. There are kids in, in, uh, in uh, Nicaragua who are like falling in love like you and I did when we were younger, but they don't see us in the material. So we're, we're letting this material go wide, and it doesn't feature people of color. It doesn't feature strong female characters a lot. It doesn't feature you know, LGBT characters who aren't uh, stereotypical. And so I was like, wait a minute. The next filmmakers, the next people who are going to do this stuff are influenced by what they're seeing today. We're just letting that happen. So the same way I was influenced by Saturday morning cartoons, I want to have this brand that stands spiritually for the same idea for young creators today. We want to make sure those young kids today see the next generation of content and that it looks like them. We don't want that to slip by. Now that we know the mission statement, let's get into some of the content and some of the properties and some of the projects that Saturday AM has created. So Saturday AM has, uh, it's a digital manga magazine. It comes out every two weeks, so like Shonen Jump, which is every week. I feel that one of the powerful things about manga, because again, I think this gets confused a lot. People are like, well, you can't call yourself manga, you know, because you draw, just because you know, it's got to come from Japan. Well, that's obviously not true. We, we, we totally don't stand for that. And we painted a giant target on our back to say, we're going to call it manga. We dare you to say something back. But that being said, though, I, I, give, the, I give that group 
uh, credit for one thing, and that is that manga. You take an American comic, and you being an American, you, I can t- we, you, you'll know. Let me know what I'm talking about. If Captain America or Wolverine goes into a fight, you're going to get a badass panel of him popping his claws. You're going to get an awesome panel of him jumping into a thicket of ninjas. You might get a, a panel where he's slashing a ninja. You might get a panel where he takes a boot to the face. But maybe two more panels, it's done. One of the great things about manga is that that fight might take three chapters. And the reason they can get away with that is because it comes out weekly. This is where a lot of people miss what makes manga special. The fact that it comes out weekly means that they've got 17 pages every week to flesh out powers. Luffy does things that in 70 years you've never seen Plastic Man do. Naruto does stuff you know, with his multiplication that countless characters in the X-Men and, 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 and DC Comics have never done. And so that's the power of manga is that it's got to be weekly. So... So we're bi-weekly because we're not as prevalent as, as traditional manga. And so to that end, we've had a couple of series. We've had 15 titles within our run, and a couple of series have really broken out. So we've got Apple Black, which is just a juggernaut. It's created by a Nigerian creator. It's about a, a young man who's got, of course, a destiny. He's got this magic wand hand. And in his world, in Apple Black's world, wands, you know, like, like Harry Potter, they can really take the form of anything. So if they can take the form of your glasses, then that means you can, like, you know, twist your monocle and like it can you can do some cool things. If it's a ring, you can like tap your ring. You can do some cool things. And so it's really really cool. His hand is a wand, and so it's a really really cool thing. At this show, we've had people coming out of the wood. We had kids literally just I mean just so excited. You thought they were meeting a rock star. The creator named White Manga. He's very very popular. In fact, I made him a co-founder because he's so talented. We're so lucky to have him be associated with us. But Apple Black is a juggernaut. We just dropped Volume 2 on Thursday. Today is Sunday. It is already on Amazon the number one manga graphic novel on sale right now. That means throughout Amazon, throughout the territories, it's outselling Attack on Titan. It's outselling Naruto. It's outselling Volumes of Fairy Tale. So Apple Black's a huge one. That really established the, the opportunity for us because it's well-drawn, very original. It's not anything that's kind of similar to another manga. Uh, our second most popular manga is called Clock Striker, and that features a young black female who, in her world, to be a smith, which is kind of like blacksmiths and stuff, they're awesome. They're super smart, they're engineers, they can build anything, and they're warriors, they can kick ass. Except, in her world, they're typically not women. They're usually men, and very rarely are they people of color. Now, you can take the analogy and say, this is very much like engineering in our world. We need more women engineers. You know, we need more black people engineering. So it's a very inspirational comic, and it's drawn by an awesome Japanese female uh, comic artist. And so that thing has exploded. There are girls around the country who are writing us notes saying, I love Clock Striker. When is it going to become a book? Now, right now, it's serialized, just like Apple Black, in the magazine. But when you get enough content, it's going to be collected into a physical book that we'll have in libraries and bookstores around the country. But Clock Striker is really huge. And one of the cool things about her is that uh, cast of the 12-year-old girl, she's tough. You know, she's smart. She's spunky. She becomes an apprentice, which is why she's called Striker. She's an apprentice to this lady named Philomena Clock. He's one of the only female Smiths out there. So it's really cool because this female dynamic is two strong women making their way and trying to take an adventure somewhere as she becomes a Smith. And so it's really awesome. She's got this cool hand that she's, she's deformed. So she was born without a left hand. So because that meant she then, therefore, couldn't easily do the things that Smiths and Strikers have to do, she built herself a mechanical hand. That is what she calls a mobile lab hand, meaning that it's got these little sockets where she can take these like concentrated, you know, chemical uh, pellets, put them in, and it can create chemical reactions like a lab, 
inside of the hand. So she can produce electricity. She can produce like gum. She can produce all these things that can help her build things or fight. I need to read this because that sounds badass. It's, it's awesome. You can you can see this is Cass right here. So I know they can't see it, but you can see this is Cass, and you can see she's she's just awesome. So you know, to pad out the list, uh, and again, we're not going to all the series we have, but we have Bully Eater, which is by an African American creator. It's about a guy who fights bullies, obviously, but the bullies in his school are super powered, and he has no powers. We have uh, uh, Saigami, which is another popular series. It's by a Hungarian female creator named Andrea Voros. It's about it's a really lovely kind of Inuyasha style story, beautiful artwork, and she's an elemental. She gets transported to a fantasy land with dragons and all that stuff. She meets two handsome guys, so she gets locked into a kind of a romance with these two guys, trying to figure out which ones she really likes. At the same time, she's becoming a Saigami, which is an elite group of warriors who can do uh, elemental stuff. Uh, Master Multiplayer World of the Ghost stars uh, Shonen Manga's first Indian American lead character. So this is actually a light novel, but it's about an Indian American kid named Neela Rao. They call him Neil for short, like Zero. So people, he's not very popular. People think he's kind of a loser. He's not the smartest kid in the world, which from a stereotypical standpoint, is kind of funny to him because he's not the typical smart Indian kid. But he's, 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 he's passionate about standing up for what's right. And his mother sends him a, uh, it looks like a mobile phone. It's really, really thin, though, and it's flexible. But it turns out that it actually features the ability. It's part of a, a game called the Master Multiplayer World of Ghosts. And it means you can summon these ghosts to fight. And once you start, you can't stop unless you either get killed or become number one. So he's on a quest to become number one because he wants to do the right thing to stop some of the things that are happening in this world and because his mother is trapped and he wants to save her. So really strong series. You can see this big blue guy here but, uh, way in the back? Yeah. That's Daedalus Bond. That character design, people love that character design. He's one of the ghosts that Neelai can summon. And so the minute we announced this series and just showed the artwork, people fell in love with it. So you've got titles like that. We've got Soul Beat, which features an African-American with a big afro. He's trying to escape hell. We've got Crunch Time, which is about a guy who eats rocks, and that gives him power. He's trying to save his planet from impending doom. That's drawn by a young kid out of Greece. And we've got eight other titles from creators literally all over the world. So we're really proud of Saturday Night. I'm even looking, you've got a game. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So let's get into the game a little bit, if you don't mind. Yeah, no, not at all. I mean, so I'm, I, I came from the video game industry. And um, look, I mean, when we talk about diversity and we talk about building something in the anime manga space, easily one of the biggest factors that becomes a, a, a something to consider is the idea that you have to have multimedia penetration. So if you're just, there's lots of people who do manga. Lots of people do comics, right? But if it's not actually in the form of an anime or a video game that can reach people in different contexts, then it just kind of feels like a, a like a hobby, right? It doesn't feel real. And we're serious about trying to create a brand with this. And so from the very beginning, the idea was we're gonna, you know, we're gonna create a video game. A because we know how to do it, <laughs> but B because we'll, we we know that this movement won't actually take off until we show that you can do this and take it into other areas that people consider more, you know significant right i mean not, not just anybody can make a video game right but anybody can make a comic if they just take the time and effort and put this up together it may not be the most beautiful comic it may not be the most well-written comic but the beauty of comics today with the internet is that anybody can do it video games are a little harder right now it requires some programming expertise it requires art design it requires a level of ui it requires technology skills in terms of working with engines lots of stuff goes in video games so we're very fortunate that we started the company because of my background in the video game industry 
that I had an amazing partner, someone I worked with on a lot of video games back in the day, or you know, we worked on some, some stuff with a, a racing game. We did this uh, game called Corp, uh, Blood Rain, and uh, Mac Anderson started this company called Marmot Media, and it just so happened we were able to reconnect after a few years, and uh, we were like, hey, why don't we do this? Why don't we partner together? It was just it's their first video game. It's our first game with our characters, and uh, it's going really well. And it's going to be uh, a mobile game to reach as many people as possible. And I don't want to spoil too. I don't want to take Max Thunder, so I don't want to spoil too much about it. But I can promise people that uh, over the next several months, we'll be unveiling more characters and more details about the game. But it's, it is going to be an interesting game. It's not going to be an easily definable game. But you will be able to play as all of our core characters. So Clock Striker, Apple Black, Bleeder, Crunch Time, Soul Beat, Imwog, and even and more characters we haven't talked about. They will be a part of the game. You know, for a lot of people, you know, like like I said, growing up, you and I, you know, in our various generations was that it was hard because you didn't know who to talk to. Because, like, yeah, you know, I wanted to create comic books since I was a kid. There were books like, okay, how to draw comics, but they were the way they were drawn. It's like, that's not how I draw. That's not what it really appealed to me. And, you know, there may be certain panels like, okay, how to get into comics, like, let's say from Marvel's way or DC's way. But we, as we know now, not everybody goes that same route. So what I guess what I'm asking then is for people who may be hearing this, who maybe either be starting out or maybe have a desire, you know, as someone who's gone through these processes, what maybe advice or words of wisdom can you maybe give to them who may want to start out and create their own content? Um, that's, I mean, that's a great question, and, and, and it's a complicated question. I think one thing that makes it complicated is that, uh, you know, you, you want to have more time because there's so many moving pieces to it. But we have an association with a developer. They're here at our booth uh, called Comic Draw. And they are doing an amazing technology that enables you to create comics. And it's cheap. It's an app that you can use on your iPad. It's $9.99. And here's what it does. It eliminates lots of tools or art supplies, which are very costly. It eliminates people trying to second-guess things and therefore compromises the professionalism of their look. So things like speech bubbles and stuff where people try to draw their own speech bubbles. Never draw your own speech bubbles. Get a digital software to give you speech bubbles and you can you know, easily twist it because you don't want people struggling to read your comic. It allows you to color it. It allows you to ink it and draw it. It has a perspective guide so that when you're trying to do complicated isometric views in a panel because you want to have different types of panels, you can do that. Here's why I talk about it. One of the challenges that affects people's confidence in doing comics, because we want all voices, right? This is why Saturday exists, is to bring all voices to the table. But one of the complications of that, when you do open it up wide and say, we're going to get people out of Greece and so forth, everybody's got different internet speeds. Some people don't have scanners. Some people can't afford art supplies. Some people want to work in certain material, certain uh, elements because they like the look, but they can't afford that or are not skilled enough in it. My first recommendation to you is go software. I, I think this young generation, unless you really, really have an affinity for it, go digital. It will save you time. It will save you money. It'll save you frustration in trying to do something in a physical context that with digital means you have the ability to practice without consequences. That is such a challenging effort for young people who want to do this. We see it all the time. If, if, if the young person that comes to us wants to do this stuff, they're inspired because they see us because that's the first part of the battle, right? If you don't see yourself, then you don't think that you're, that you're allowed to do it. But the second part of the battle is... How do you get to practice and build the necessary skills to be good enough? If people don't see your work, or if they see your work 
and you know the best you could do is something that you only had because you only had a little bit of paper left. Yeah. And so this is your best illustration, but it's really not your best because you only had three sheets of paper. Well, like we've got to change that. We've got to change that. And one of the parts of changing that, and I think Apple is a really great philosophy of this. Is like sometimes you get sometimes you got to force people to change because they're not going to change on their own. And so we are promoting and pushing heavily going digital. Because it gives creators the flexibility to be able to showcase their work, try what they're trying to do, learn from different tools at a low cost. That really is the biggest piece of advice I can give. Now, we can get into details about, you know, what type of, uh, what do you look for when you're writing and, and what sort of, how should you try to perfect your artwork. But again, those are complicated things because everyone's got a different style. And writing is a funny thing because writing really can take different, you know, some people can be great writers and they're really focused on dialogue. Like their, their writing is good because their dialogue is so real. Other people can write really well because they, they come up with really great ideas. They, they conceptually can really paint a really cool picture of what's happening. Well, I'll, I'll leave with one more piece of advice here. We can go on to another question. But one more piece of advice I'll give to this is writers write. If you're someone who's listening to this and you're like, well, I got great ideas too. Anybody looking for an idea, man? Writers write. If you are someone saying to yourself and then telling someone else, well, you know, I got great ideas, but say I need an artist to make it happen. Then you're not a writer. That's harsh, but that's real. Because writers don't need artists. Writers write. Just like if you're an artist and you're like, man, I'm going to make manga, man. I'm, I'm going to make a great manga and so forth. You know, I, I'm really good. But you don't like to draw backgrounds. You don't like to draw feet. Then you're not a comic book artist. At some point, you have to draw some feet. At some point, you've got to draw a building. At some point, you've got to draw other people. You got to draw people who are overweight. You got to draw people who are short. If you don't do that, if you have qualms about doing that, then you're not a comic book artist. Again, it's harsh, but in the world of digital, like, and in the world of web comics and young people going crazy and stuff, like, that's something real that they need to hear is that, you know, if you're going to do this, you got to really commit to doing it. Don't let fear stop you. Don't let the, the fact that someone could criticize your work stop you. You won't grow if no one criticizes your work. So, again, there's something to the idea of people who don't have a lot of work to show because it's expensive. And particularly when we talk about people of color, we got to be real about this. It's expensive. I've seen it time and time again. You're a young African-American kid, you're a young Latina kid, and your family household income statistically might be lower. Your parents are working hard and doing the right things for you. And you say, Mom and Dad, I want to do artwork. Well, Mom and Dad look at it thinking, first of all, artwork is hard to make a career out of. We want you to go be a doctor. We want you to be a lawyer. Why don't want to do it? My heart, my passion is in this. I support all sides on this because I understand the debate. The parents are looking at you, looking at the thing, saying, statistically, your chances of succeeding in anything is tough. So then go the route that is going to definitely make sure you get paid because we don't want you having to suffer. On the flip side of that, every person should be able to pursue their dreams. That's why I say again, don't try to make this stuff harder than it is. Go the digital route. You sell a piece of software, whether it's Comic Draw that we endorse or Adobe Photoshop or uh, Clip Studio Paint, whatever, get into the digital scene. And if you're someone, therefore, that has got the digital uh, technology going for you and you're able to utilize that, then write and draw. Don't second guess it by being like, well, I need this or I need that. You don't need anything at that point. You got everything you need right there. You got your head, you got your heart, you got your passion, and you've got a digital piece of technology means you got infinite paper. So write. Don't worry about an artist. And if you're an artist, draw. Draw lots. Draw feet. Draw hands. Do a comic strip for yourself. Don't worry about it being for somebody else. Just do it for yourself. And put yourself in the mentality of every week I'm going to do a new page. That's the only way creators will grow. That's the only way we'll get the diversity we're looking for. People, people have got to put themselves out there, commit to doing it, and not let the perfect be the enemy of the good.
I'm looking around. I'm looking at other booths right now. I'm looking at you. I'm seeing the work that all these people are doing, and I'm I'm so glad to see it. And I'm just so glad to even just see the crowd here and how diverse it is. Because even at other shows that I've been to, that you didn't see this not too long ago, and it's important because people need to see you doing this. People need to see you know people. Let's say like the North Theater doing what they're doing, especially since when you are from a marginalized background, you have to also work twice as hard because. Even let's say what I do with the podcasting, you know, I've talked to some people, they, they wouldn't even necessarily give me a second glance and it happens. But yet I got inspired because, you know, talking to you and going to, like I said, that panel and a couple other panels over the weekend and realizing that people out there are doing the work and it's like, I can do the work and people just need to see that, you know what, it is possible. So I just want to say thank you for the work that you do and also your team, because it's not necessarily just one person. You know, it takes a lot of people who are dedicated and, like you said, um, passionate, and kudos to all them. Let me say a couple of things. Number one, I want to thank you. Uh, you know, I'm listening to you. You got a great voice. Oh, thank you. So, and as you said, you know, uh, we need more people doing these things. And it's a travesty, but it happens. We, we experience it. When you don't give chances, that's what makes it hard. When you came by and said, you know, I'd love to interview you, I'm all about it. Because, you know, how else are you going to get more people in unless... You get interviewed, and there should be no quid pro quo to give you an interview. If you're willing to ask us questions, we're honored to answer them. That's a key thing there. So I want to thank you for for even wanting to talk to us. But number two is, um, you know, we take the stuff uh, again. You, you hear my voice very seriously. We are champions of everybody having a voice at this table, whether it's Irish, Scottish, Japanese, Korean, Indian, African American, LGBT. We want everyone to have a voice at the table. Again, we've got Saturday AM, we've got our books, our Saturday AM tanks that have come out as well, which collect some of our popular stories. We had the video game coming. I did want to just give one final shout out to Saturday PM, which is an adult digital magazine that we're doing. So therefore, it'll speak more to the sane type of manga. So it'll speak to more adult-oriented content. Because those stories, whether it's politics or race, which all can get touched on within Saturday AM, but this, this is meant for you know, a younger, younger audience, we can have more profound discussions about violence and and even something like you know, Harvey Weinstein, and you're getting into these more topical, more mature conversations. We can get into that in Saturday PM. So I, I encourage people who are listening to this to check us out, www.saturday-am.com or www.saturday-pm.com and get the information about the respective things that we're doing because we, we want to fight really hard to try to change the landscape of anime and manga to make sure that great journalists are getting more stuff out there the great creators are getting out there. That's why we've got a great staff, like you mentioned. We want to expand it for everybody. Thank you very much for your time, Frederick. And I appreciate your story. I appreciate your input. And I just appreciate what you do. But also, I've been looking at your booth. I've been walking around. I've been seeing people at your table. I'm looking at them now. The people who are paying attention, they know. They recognize. So, you know what? Those are the people you want to reach. And that'll do it for um, us here at Anime NYC. We'll see you next issue. Thank you for listening to Adrian Has Issues. Please visit us on the web at adrianhasissues.com 
where you can stream and download all of our other great episodes. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com backslash Adrian Has Issues. Follow us on Twitter at Adrian Has Issues and on Instagram at Adrian Has Issues Pod. You can also find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn Radio, and the Laughable Podcast app. Thanks again.